Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Attorney, advocate, author, public speaker. The Lisa Wexler Show, WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. Flip that switch and turn on your brain. Here is Lisa Wexler. Hello, welcome back to the show today. I digressed from pot for a half hour, but I had a fabulous time. 203-333-9422 is our number. You can call me at 203-333-9422. Retail shops across the state are selling marijuana as of 10 o'clock this morning. Approximately 45,000 people with cannabis-related misdemeanor cases have begun getting their records expunged as part of the Clean Slates implementation. There are criticisms against the Lamont administration that the entire implementation of Clean Slate hasn't happened already, but he promises that by the end of 2023, every person who is up for or having their record expunged, and some of these are Class D and E felonies that are unclassified. If you have had a Class D or E felony of a certain kind of felony, and you have not been any trouble, been in any trouble for the last ten years, then it is possible that that can be expunged as well. So um, that is something that if you know somebody or you yourself has an old felony on the records and you have been clean since then, you may be somebody eligible to have your record expunged, which I know will give you a fresh start in life. Believe me, I know. Believe me, I know. There are a lot of people who got caught up in the law for things that we look back and we say, it didn't seem like justice was properly done. And of course, on the other hand, we have people that are um, guilty of more kinds of disturbing kinds of crimes. And so that's why law enforcement needs to sift and be careful because sometimes, depending upon the kind of crime it was, it could be an indication of um, violent behavior, menacing, threatening behavior that we would want to know about because it could be part of a pattern. But in any event, we have all recognized or most of us in society have recognized that we do not want to continue to penalize people for behavior that occurred a long time ago with respect to the possession of pot. 
And so in the many thousands of convictions, you know, these convictions have truly hampered people's lives. So there has been a recognition that they need a clean slate, and we're giving it to them in Connecticut, 203-333-9422. If you have a conviction prior to January 1st, 2000, then you have to petition the court to erase your record. So that's also very important. And other than that, the law is going to automatically erase criminal records of people seven years after the date of their conviction for a misdemeanor or 10 years after the date of their conviction for certain Class D, E, or unclassified felonies if they have not been, quote, convicted of other crimes. Now, that's a very interesting thing that we wrote in the law as well because – and this is where it can be a little bit troubling, and this is where it has to be to some extent, and that's why the governor says, I'm going to make sure it's done – but I can't completely rush it because sometimes people are arrested and they're not convicted. And there are a lot of reasons why sometimes cases are dismissed before conviction. A lot of reasons. Maybe there isn't enough evidence. Maybe. So let's talk about a domestic violence situation. Think about somebody that you might know in your life in which it's a troubled relationship. And we read about these all the time and we have coercion and we have duress and we have children And sometimes we have fearful women. So sometimes there can be an arrest or a report or a disturbance, and then there'll be a withdrawal of charges. There won't be a pressing of charges. There might be a witness who's intimidating, who was intimidated from actually testifying, which means the prosecutor has nothing to go to court with and the charges are dropped. So sometimes when we look at behaviors and arrest records, it isn't just about convictions. To my mind, it also needs to be about, is there a pattern? Is there something else going on here where a judge would want to know that there is a pattern of intimidation or violence or arrest, even if it did not result in a conviction? Uh, On the other hand, it depends what it is the person is being arrested for. Are they being arrested for threatening or menacing a significant partner, an intimate partner, an assault, child abuse? What's going on here? Or are we talking about a low-level drug offense where we as a society have already made that drug legal, and so we don't think that that's terribly important to penalize somebody for anymore? What is it that this person has been arrested for? The law says conviction, expungement, but we'll have to see in real life how it plays out. 203-333-9422 is our number, 203-333-9422. And feel free to call in about this. Are you happy or sad or mixed apprehensive. What are your thoughts? Are you looking forward to being able to buy weed legally and be able to smoke pot freely in your own home and not worry about any kind of legal consequences of the behavior? Do you think that this is a long time coming and that Connecticut has finally moved in the right direction? Or do you think otherwise? 203-333-9422 is our number. You can call me at 203-333-9422. I was very impressed with the conversation I had with Jordan Davidson recently of uh, an organization called Smart Approaches to Marijuana, which is uh, against the conventional wisdom nowadays, the conventional wisdom being, by the way, that state after state is legalizing marijuana. This particular organization is trying to say, slow down, just slow down a little bit and recognize what we're doing and maybe put some handrails around it. Um, But um, in any event, guardrails, I guess that would be the better term, guardrails, any, in any event, Jordan Davidson was on our show recently. He is a Weston Knight, went to Weston Public Schools. 
his life got derailed by pot, and now he's working for Sam. He's working for this organization while going to college. So he's coming back to talk with us in just a few minutes. 203-333-9422. In the meantime, I wanted to let you know this. And this, I thought, was very interesting. Um, And we're going to go to calls in just a moment. But I wanted to let you know that this appears to be a little bit of a gateway of sorts for Connecticut. There have been bills introduced, and we're going to get to the details of those, that want to make psychedelic substances legal. One of them wants to make them legal, period, end. Another one wants to make them available for study with limited populations because there are a lot of states that are looking to see whether or not the use of mushrooms, as an example, um, can really help people that have a tremendous amount of resistance towards regular medicines to fight lifelong depression. And I know that Johns Hopkins University is the first institute of its kind to be studying these psilocybin, I'm not saying it right, the mushrooms. And we're actually going to get one of the people from that organization on our show very soon. But let's go to the calls. Who do we have up? Will from where, Andrew? Will from Long... Okay, Will from Long Island. Hi, Will. Where are you from on Long Island? Because that's my home I'm territory. Patchog. Patchog. Okay, I grew up in Woodmere yes. on the other side of the island. Hello and welcome. Yeah, I work. Yes, I, uh, I, I don't see. I think it's a big deal for the felons uh, getting uh, rescinded the the uh, convictions. But I, I, as far as anything else, I don't think it's a big deal. Okay. It, the. The market is saturated with marijuana all over the country. And if you go up to the Indian reservations in New York, in New York City, uh, or Massachusetts, a lot of people are selling and nobody's buying. Uh, So, oh, really? Very interesting. When you say nobody's buying, you think that the demand is being overhyped? You think in the end it's not going to be? Absolutely. Wow. Really? I, I, I don't think anybody should have a problem finding marijuana anywhere. It's been like that for ten years. So and you people, think it's so you think it's fine to put it in stores and basically normalize that, which has been easy to find for people anyway. Is that what you're saying, Mom? I'm against it. Oh, I'll you're against you it. The last, oh, it's the last thing that corporate America hasn't gotten its fingers in to involve with. Oh, uh, and, and there's a lot of people that have been growing and selling it for for many years, and people our age that smoke it already are getting it from uh, the people that they've been buying for for the last 40 years. So what you're saying is you think that the introduction of making it legal is going to crowd out the small business owner in the marijuana industry? Absolutely. That, that's a good way to put it. Uh, it, it, it keeps the corporations, uh, the, big, the big beer uh, like Anheuser-Busch and, and, and Coke from getting involved in it and and, and it should it should be if what, keeping it illegal and and decriminalized uh, was a was a good policy I think. Will do you smoke a lot of pot? I don't. You don't. But okay. I have I, I have friends that do and uh-huh. have been growing it for forty or fifty years. Wow. Uh, and it's not it's not a hard it it's starting to become like an urban and rural issue because the people in the rural and suburbia can grow it and the people in the city cannot. That's it's a lot harder for them. So, Will, do you think that from the people that have used it and know it well, one of the things that I've been reading, I'm curious to know if you agree with this, is that the marijuana itself 
is more potent now than it was years ago. What do you think about that? I think we should, they should ban any edibles or any synthesized uh, THC product. That's mm-hmm. what I because edibles get into the wrong hands. Uh, the, the flower itself is thirty percent potency. That's very high. It, yeah. It's very strong. I don't really like the high. Interesting. I, it's it's. Uh, I'm for medical marijuana, but I'm against the the open sale of it. Uh, Okay. Thank you, Will. Thank you for calling in today. Appreciate your point of view. Really do. Thank you. Thank you for your show. Sure. Um, Do we have Todd still holding, Andrew? We're going to go to our guest. Todd? Todd, where are you from? Hi, Lisa. I'm from Shelton. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year to you, Todd. So what do you think about all of this today? I'm totally against it. I'm 35 years clean and sober, and I'm sitting in my car in Stratford waiting to go into an AA meeting for 12 o'clock noon. And uh, it all started when I was in high school. I'm 63 years old, and they used to preach to us in high school, don't start with the marijuana because it will lead to heavier drugs. And I laughed in their face, and they were totally right, and I got clean and sober in 1987. And uh I think that the state should be doing something for the kids. Uh, how about some clean and sober clubs where kids could go and uh, have soda or coffee or tea or Red Bull, or anything but alcohol and anything but drugs and have some fun, shoot mm-hmm. pool, play ping pong. Let's have some clean and sober clubs throughout the state of Connecticut so that they could hold their heads up high and say they're helping the kids instead of destroying these kids. Yeah, so you think the policy is going to hurt kids, huh? Even yeah, though even though the state it. is even though the state is saying it won't be sold under the age of 21, you don't believe that? What do you think? No, nah, Lisa, when I was a kid, we used to go to certain places and get beer on Sundays and holidays. Now they're selling beer on Sundays and holidays. I know they are. So uh, there there's a way if there's a will there's a way these kids will find a way to get it and uh, you know to turn them away from that like the priest at the church told me turn away from sin and uh, everything that's uh, circled around sin sin sells and they always want to um they want to you know hype it up so that the kids and everybody else will buy it so that they can make money and uh, it's a very sad situation i think they should do more to help the kids clean and sober clubs throughout connecticut help these kids so they got somewhere to go other than the streets and the drugs. Todd, I congratulate you on your sobriety. Good for you. Good for Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. You're doing a phenomenal job down there. Thank you. Thank you for listening and you. calling today. God bless you, too. Let's go to Ralph from Bridgeport, and then we're going to chat with Jordan Davidson, who has a personal experience and story he wants to share. Hey, Ralph, welcome. Hi. Uh, let me just turn my radio down a bit and... Okay, a little drink of water. Okay, listen, I know you have a guest. I'll get right to the point. Lisa, I'm 62. I smoked pot a little bit in the 80s. I never bought it. But then I remember one time in the 90s, it's like, oh, my God. It's like I I felt so out of it because they grow it where they raise the THC level very high. And I sent you, I resent you an article that Paul Pacelli read on the air, it's from the Connecticut Mirror from June of 2021. And mm-hmm. it's from a liberal lawyer in Colorado who was instrumental in getting recreational marijuana passed in 09. And he's begging, he's so remorseful, he's begging Connecticut not to make the same mistake. Yeah, we'll and, have to have him on the air. I saw yes, that well, opinion piece. And about piece. the people that say, well, it's no different than alcohol, that is such 
an idiotic statement because here's the thing. You can drink alcohol. Your body can process one ounce of alcohol an hour. You can drink alcohol and not get drunk. You can't smoke pot and not get stoned. Mm. And, and another thing Paul mentioned well, is— Well, you can get bl- sick, right? You yes, can just, and, like, and, get sick. Well, well if you drink yeah. slowly, you can drink and not get drunk. But the thing is, it, you pee it out within, uh, I don't know, an hour or two. Pot stays in your brain 21 days. Yeah, so no, 30 days, smoking, actually. 30 yeah, days, it's in your blood. I don't know about your brain, but I know it's in your bloodstream for up to 30 days. Yeah, well, the, days. the brain's got a lot of fat in it, and I read this I read this way back in 1980 from Reader's Digest, why marijuana is your enemy. Marijuana is fat-soluble, and one thing that has a lot of fat is your brain, and it gets in the recess of your brain. And also, do you know what it's going to be like for the police officers? I mean, I hate driving now as it is. There's going to be more people driving stone, and just the fact that, at least when it was illegal, some people stayed home and smoked it. Yeah. Now you're going to have more yeah. people driving stone, and also the virtue of the fact that, well, now it's illegal. You're going to have a lot of curious people that never tried it. This man is begging Connecticut not to make the same mistakes. The fatalities in Colorado doubled, and he mentions many other things. So I'll let you go so you can uh, get on with your guest, all right? God bless you, and thank you for shining a light on this. This is, you know, I don't tell anybody what to believe. I want to commend the previous caller. I don't tell anyone what to believe, but in the book of Second Timothy in the Bible, it says, the day will come when man will turn his back on the truth and turn their ears to fables. And this is what's going on. This is like the beginning of the end for society as far as I'm concerned. Ralph, thank you so much for your call. Thank, thank you, thank you and so like much you, for your faithful listening. I hate listening. it that I get the freaking smell uh, I hate the smell. I, I can't stand the smell. I'm so offended by it. And I know that the police are really in a bind right now because, you know, they don't want to be the big strong arm enforcer when it comes to pot. They feel that the public has made a decision that pot should be legal. And they are trying to figure out in their own municipalities, what are the rules here? Because the Connecticut state law last year, our legislature basically left it to our local municipalities to figure out where people are going to be able to smoke pot, legally sell it, etc. So the police are waiting for a cue, and they haven't gotten one from a lot of their mayors and first selectmen. They have not gotten a cue. And so I think we're living right now, I hope it's a period of relatively short transition where it's anything goes with the smell. I can't stand the smell. But but look at what they did with, like you point out, with cigarette smoke. Mm -hmm. They banned it from smoking in restaurants, in bars, indoors. They did. Because the smell, you know, you're inhaling secondhand smoke, which is more deadly than if a person's smoking a cigarette because they got a filter. And then you get the stink on your clothes. The pot smell is much more, like, voluminous. You you know what I mean? Well, you know. I know. But but I'll let you go. Thank you so much. And we just got to. Stand on our principle. It's not good, and you can't compare it with alcohol. I mean, I'm sure you and Bill, you know, you have a drink. Well, I don't know if you do, but I don't you drink. can have don't a drink anything. and not get drunk. You I'm can't the original pilgrim. You can't go by me. You can't go by me. But, but, I don't but, know who so, I am. No I came out of a pod when it comes to all these things. You know, it's such a cliche, but it's so true. I am literally naturally high on life. I don't need anything Amen. but and a so glass of water. And one of the things that gets me <laughs> high is listening to your show. Ah, uh, thanks, all right. Ralph. God bless you, and, and right. I'll let you go. And, and, and I love the um, interview with the, uh, the Broadway man. Uh, but I'll, you have a blessed day, and thank you for standing up for principles because most of us don't want this legalized. All right, take care and have a blessed day. 
We'll be right back with Jordan Davidson of Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Stick around. Let Southern Connecticut hear what you think. Call 203-333-9422. The Lisa Wexler Show is back on WICC 600 AM and 1073 FM. Jordan Davidson is here with us, 203-333-9422. He graduated from Weston High School. He's at University in Washington, D.C., and he is actually now on the staff of Smart Approaches to Marijuana, because he felt that he had a personal story that he wanted to share. This is the second time on the Lisa Wexler Show. Jordan, I thought it was fitting to invite you back, because today's a a very big day in Connecticut. It's the first day that people can legally line up to recreationally smoke pot and not worry about any criminal consequences, because there aren't any. So welcome back to the show. Hi. Hi, Lisa. It's, it's so great to be back. Um, and apologize, I'm, I'm just getting over a bit of a hoarse voice here, but <laughs> I'm happy to really be on the show and talk about this uh, important issue today. So, Jordan, uh, in a quick nutshell, once again, for our listeners tuning in who hadn't heard you before, what is yes. your story? So, my story is um, about a little over four years ago on December 9th, 2018, I got sober from um, an addiction to marijuana. Um, I got clean and sober from all substances, and I was really glad to hear that one of your guests before is also in recovery. Um, and really, marijuana ruined my life, and it took my soul away, quite frankly. And using it every single day uh, made me withdraw from my friends and my family, um, made me lie to people. It you know, took over my life, my academics, and everything, and it became a total addiction for me. And I was using those high-potency THC products that, unfortunately, were going to be you know, sold on, on, on the Connecticut markets this morning. And I entered addiction recovery, got help, and since then have been working for Smart Approaches to Marijuana to fight back against marijuana legalization. So let's talk about this because what you said could have just as easily been said about alcohol. And the temperance sure. move, and I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, the temperance movement yes. and prohibition utterly failed and in fact caused a tremendous yes. amount of crime. So, you know, it took about 20 years, but then we repealed it. Um, the, yep. the idea of, you know, of responsible lawmakers is not to have anybody addicted and have their life derailed by pot. It is to be able to make it legal, to regulate it, and to have it in society because it's always been here anyway. Your addiction began when pot was illegal. So what's the difference? So basically the difference here is, and I don't advocate for, for temperance movement or for prohibition. What I'd advocate for is the decriminalization of marijuana, which Connecticut already had. And so it's really striking this middle ground where we can see that prohibition has failed in many ways, and, and keeping it illegal has done some damage. But the full-on commercialization of substances like alcohol and tobacco, I don't think everyone would say that it's gone swimmingly, that it's gone totally well. I mean, look how much people use tobacco in our society, right? So striking that middle ground where we can say, look, you don't need to be thrown in prison or thrown in jail just for having a little bit of pot on you. Um, It doesn't need to be a criminal ordeal, and your life doesn't need to be ruined by an arrest record. That, That surely is bad policy. But you also don't need to fully commercialize and legalize a substance and put pot shops on every corner, like in places like Seattle, where they have more pot shops than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. And that's really what the problem is. That would, to me, would indicate, Jordan, that there's an enormous demand 
for people to get themselves in an alternative reality state and get high. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Because I think yep. that that's something that, you know, very often is lost in the conversation. You know, yeah, for sure. Ha- have you pondered that a little bit? What is that about? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, when like, like, I'll, I'll just use my own personal experience because I can't speak for kind of everyone, right? Um, but when I was in 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 high school, and actually, I actually didn't graduate from Weston High School. I went to another high school, but I lived in Weston for the first eighteen years of my life. Okay. Um, and um, when 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 I was living in Weston. Um, you know, I struggled as a lot of other teenagers do with anxiety um, and just the things that go on when you're a teenager and the stresses that that comes with being in high school. And what I chose to do was turn to marijuana in order to ease that kind of pain or those struggles that I was facing with my own mental health. And we didn't live really and don't live in a culture that really uh, dissuades that. Um, it used to be that you, you, you told people more often um, not to use drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. to uh, help with your problems, and, and that kind of public education has really lacking. We don't see PSAs from, from the government really anymore about drug use like, like we even did as, as recently as 10 or 15 years ago. Um, that's kind of slowly been dwindling. And so I think when you have a lack of education about drugs and drug use and the damage that can cause, a lot of people like myself turn to those things to ease the struggles that we've all faced so you think that do you think that the right kind of education would have dissuaded you from going to pot you know i think i think that surely is is possible i mean i had no idea that marijuana was addictive absolutely none right that was something that i had no idea about that i had no idea about the high versus low THC products, about the differences between you know, different kinds of marijuana and what dabbing really was. You know, if, if your viewers don't know, I don't I know what that dab is. Pen. What's dab? What right. is okay. That? Well, right. exactly. So, so a dab is essentially the highest concentrate form of marijuana possible. And so um, it can be put in a, a, a dab pen, which is essentially a vape and a liquid, which is what I did three times a day every day. Or you can, in, in an even more concentrated way, basically make the THC, which is the active component that gets you high in marijuana, into a resin or a wax. And you can burn it using this kind of weird-looking intricate glass device. It's not really a bong. It's, 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 it's something even a little bit more complicated. And you can get – it's like 99-plus you know, percent THC, super, super concentrated. Um, and that's something that's really popular today. And I had no idea about any of this stuff. Um, so I really wasn't informed in the way that I think I probably should have been as a young person in today's society. Let me ask you, Jordan, because you're still such a young man. How old are you, 20? Uh, I turned 22 uh, on the 22nd of December. Okay, so you're 22. Congratulations. Happy yeah. birthday. Um, that's Thank you. two more people I know that were born that day. Wow. Okay. Anyway, my father-in-law and my machetena, my, my son-in-law's mother. So it must be a very lucky time. Oh, anyway, so uh, let me ask you this. Your parents, what kind yeah. of a, what kind of a um, education did they give you about illegal drug use? No, and this is, this is where I'd say that I, I really got the most help, and this is why I'm able to speak to you today. My mom has been in, in addiction recovery for, I don't know, something like 38 years. Okay. Um, she got sober when she was 19 years old. 
um, and her problem mainly was alcohol. So when I was young, my mom did tell me about our family history of, of alcoholism because it ran rampant in my family um, and addiction. And so I was always really um, raised in a house where they not only told me about the history of addiction, but they told me, look, Jordan, if you're ever in a situation where you're in trouble, you can call and ask for help. You never have to be afraid of calling and asking um, you know, to, to, to be driven home or, or to get somewhere safely. Um, and that was kind of the open and communicative environment in which I was raised. And because my parents sat me down and, and did talk to me about that and did open those lines of communication with me, I felt comfortable at you know, age 17 going to them and telling my mom, I'm struggling and I need help. And it was a difficult ordeal for my family. It wasn't easy to get through. But a week later, I was in an outpatient rehab facility, and I was started going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And so I'd encourage all parents to really open those lines of communication with their children about marijuana, alcohol, and other drugs, and let kids know that you're always there for them. Um, because I think often sometimes maybe an over-punitive method um, scares kids away from actually asking for help. But striking that balance and letting them know the dangers of using drugs is also incredibly important, which my parents did do for me, especially regarding alcohol. So let me ask you something. With your parents' very strong early education about the dangers of alcohol to you as a particular human, did that is that one of the reasons why you thought that maybe pot would be an alternative way for you to relieve your anxiety, but less dangerous for you at the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I always knew that alcohol was addictive, right? Like I always thought of alcohol as being something that you could get addicted to. Mm -hmm. And I did drink alcohol. Don't get me wrong, but marijuana was the drug that I mainly used. And even, you know, even, even up until basically my recovery, I kept on denying, denying, denying that marijuana was even addictive at all. I see. So, um, you know, okay. you hear, I see, this, I see on Twitter all the time this funny thing. Um, people sometimes will reply to me, and what, if I'm tweeting about this issue, someone will say, I've smoked marijuana every day for the past 30 years. I know it's not addictive. Right. Uh, okay. You know, like stuff like that. It's a total denial. <laughs> Hilarious, too. But it just shows the yeah. extent to which people are, are completely oblivious to their own selves right i smoked it every yeah, day for exactly. 30 years but i'm not i could stop yeah. tomorrow i chose not to right. i could stop tomorrow right. if i wanted to but over 30 years right. i decided every single day when i woke up not to but okay it's yeah. something i decided yeah. to do but i'm not addicted right okay yeah okay wow so here we are and connecticut has already decided to make it legal if you were in yeah. charge of drug policy for the state of connecticut jordan what would you now do? In other words, in terms of this campaign aimed at younger people, what would you do? Yeah, so um, it's, 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 it's really tough. You know, my organization kind of as, 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 as we operate, um, you know, it's kind of futile to try and repeal legalization in states right. or something. Not going to um, happen. But it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Right, of course. No. So um, it's, it's but, but, but bolstering um, really the public health guardrails because, you know, something, just a couple of statistics to give you and, and your viewers a sense of, of what the situation is really looking like because of legalization and, and the places we need to target. You know, this is all new. This is like the past month or so this data has come out. Um, you know, uh, marijuana abuse among adolescents, um, six, ages 6 to 18, has increased 245% since 2000 even though alcohol abuse has remained relatively stable, um, you know, and 
We've also seen an increase in uh, basically edible use among really young children um, over the past five years, uh, where there's been a 1,375% increase. Yeah, the edible thing, uh, somebody has got to look up. And make the yeah. edibles not not allowed. I mean, yeah. so, you know, unless they're in a medical marijuana dispensary under highly controlled conditions, there's just no. Re- I don't understand it. I do not understand why people would allow a psychoactive substance to look like a candy. I don't. Well, and, and, and I mean that's that that's the point, right? And that's the reason why they're doing it is is, is because they know it will make them more money. And, and the last note, just before I kind of explain what I would do if I were in charge is, 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 you know, they're making, they want to just make more money off these products because of the people who are running the show. Um, There was, there was a quote basically in uh, in, in CT Insider recently um, saying that um, the results of, 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 of legalization in Connecticut is the short answer is we'll see less money and less socially beneficial ownership than the supporters of state legalization envisioned in the spring of 2021. And so even though I don't believe there are any social equity stores opening today, there are seven stores, at least. It's owned by Acreage Holdings. Um, and Acreage Holdings is, is probably the biggest, if not one of the biggest, uh, marijuana, basically, companies in the world. And board of directors, What's the name of it? Jordan, you're speaking Acreage, quickly, and it's hard to hear them. Uh, What's the name of the company? Acreage Holdings. Acreage? How do you spell that? A-C-R. E-A-G-E. And they, uh, you're saying Acreage Holdings is behind seven of the marijuana dispensaries in Connecticut? No, so they're, they're behind at least one of the seven that are opening today. Okay, I um, see. And so they, the board of directors of, of the, th- this is the company that's really trying to really make it into the scene. The board of directors, that company includes former Republican Speaker of the House John Boehner, former Republican Governor of Massachusetts, Bill Weld, uh, former IBM chief financial officer, Doug Maine, and former conservative prime minister of Canada, Brian Mulroney. So I think one of your viewers talks about kind of the big business and corporate ownership of this entire industry and tobacco takeover, which John Boehner takes a lot of tobacco money. Um, you know, these are the people who are going to get rich, and we see no real social equity uh, coming along with it. And so what I would do if I were in charge is, 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 is try and get all these kind of major big tobacco, big corporations out of the scene, limit their involvement as much as possible. Um, and I think the best way to dissuade that would be to enforce stronger potency caps. Um, Connecticut kind of has a, a really weak, weak, weak potency cap law of about 30% for flour. I would argue 10 to 15% potency cap for flour. I um, see. Okay. And, and, okay. and in addition to that, stronger advertising laws. Um, Connecticut has decent billboard advertising laws to kind of protect consumers, but it doesn't go far enough. I, you know, I, I don't support billboards at all in any places for marijuana and, and stronger you know, restrictions to make sure that they're not advertising these products to young people. And Lisa, one of the things you said about the edibles is, is a major part of that. We don't need things like brownies and cookies and chocolate bars being sold in stores because kids are mistaking those products for candy and eating them, or they're attracted to them and purchasing them. And that's a really, really major problem, and it's leading to a lot more marijuana use by young people. Jordan Davidson, Smart Approaches to Marijuana. So I'm hearing from you potency caps, billboard restrictions, 
more money funding public health and not allowing it to be sold looking like regular food or candy. Got it. Yep. Okay. All right. Smart approaches to marijuana. Sam. Jordan Davidson, we wish you also continued success in your sobriety. You sound fabulous, except for the horse throat. Thank you. And we thank you for thank coming you. back on the show, and be well. Happy New Year. Thank you, Lisa. Happy okay. New Year. We'll be right Bye-bye. back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned. Where Norwalk comes first for news and talk. The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the show, 203-333-9422. We'll keep the phone lines open. If you want to give us a call, you can call me at 203-333-9422. The topic of the day, of course, the very big topic, is the fact that you can buy weed now. You can buy pot um, at one of the seven or more. There aren't too many. I know it's under 10. uh, Legal stores, if you're over the age of 21 and you show ID, Uh, You can go and, to your heart's content, sift through the various many products and ways in which industry is now designing fabulously seductive ways for you to have yet another mind-altering substance. So if you're not happy with alcohol, um, might as well get some pot, right? I mean, you know, it's really – and then the state talks itself into rationalizing that they're going to get money from it and this and that. We have a lot of ways to allow people to escape their reality. And, you know, for me, it's I, I try and pick at the scab a little bit. I'd like to know why so many people are so unhappy or so nervous or whatever it is in their own bodies, in their own minds, that they feel that this is what they need to do to relax, that this is what they need to do to feel better. So there's a, there's a young man in our family. He's, he is um, a nephew by marriage and uh, like, a, like a step-nephew by marriage. Anyway, but whatever. I've known him since he was a tiny little kid. And he has always smoked pot. He's in his 40s now. He's always smoked pot. And he always tried to convince me to smoke pot with him. And I always laughed at him and I said, no, thank you. And I spent a weekend with him a couple of years ago and because I was visiting him. They live up in Vermont. And we had a wonderful time together. He had a beautiful young family and just wonderful time, dogs and kids and sleighs. And a couple of days into the weekend, he took me aside and he said, Lisa, you know, I finally get it with you, with the pot, because he was always irritated that I never wanted to go in the back and get high with him. He was always inviting everybody else to always get high with him, and I always laughed and declined. And he said, I finally get it with you, Lisa. You really, you don't need it. You're just high on life, which is what I was saying, I said to Ralph a few minutes ago. And I know that that sounds like such a ridiculous cliche, but it's really always been the truth with me. My son used to tell me, when he was living here, when he was a kid. Mommy, I wish I was like you. I wish I woke up happy every day. So I'm lucky. I, that's it. I'm lucky. I'm not, I, know, I recognize full well that there are a lot of other people that are not like me. Maybe most people are not like me. But I also will tell you this. 
It's not just about serotonin levels and it's not just about feeling happy. A lot of it is about coping skills that anybody can learn and everybody can embrace. And the coping skills for the down times in life and the coping skills for the sadness in life and the coping skills to get through life. And I have never wanted to pollute my body with anything that would allow me to lose control over my brain. And I think that comes from my parents who instilled in me a respect for my body. And they used to tell me, your body is a temple. Did your parents used to tell you that too? Did you learn that? Your body is a temple, meaning that it is sacred. It is, a, it is sacred. And you have to cherish it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, once in a while have a gallon of ice cream. Okay, we all do. And it doesn't mean that once in a while you indulge in whatever it is you indulge in once in a while. But it did mean in general, and I took it very seriously, that your body is a vessel, it is sacred, and you shouldn't pollute it. And so I always shied away from anything that, frankly, scared me. I'm, I'm sort of a chicken. I'm a coward. I was afraid to take a pill or smoke a joint or do anything like that that would, or imbibe too much of anything, that would cause me to lose control over my faculties. I was afraid. I was just afraid. 203-333-9422. So this is where we are right now. We are at a place where our representatives, democratically elected, have decided that we have to enter a new era of drug use when it comes to marijuana. And the new era of drug use goes one step over decriminalization to outright legalization with certain boundaries that the state legislature thought would be enough to secure the public safety. We're going to have to see how it plays out. We are. We're going to have to see how our statistics emerge over time. Are we going to have more impaired drivers Are we going to have more hospitalizations? Are we going to have more cannabis abuse showing up in our psychiatric wards? Are we going to have more kids complain that marijuana was a gateway drug? Or are we going to assimilate marijuana into our society, where many argue it's been here forever anyway, and over time figure out how to regulate it properly so that like cigarettes and alcohol and so many other things that we recognize are temptations, we don't have too many people indulge in them to the detriment of their lives. We're going to have to see. Because this is, this is what, th- these are the people that we voted into the legislature and this is what they voted in because they believed two things. Number one, that we wanted it and that it was best for us. We live in a democracy. This did not happen to us simply upon us. This happened to us through us because we elect people to represent us. 203-333-9422 is our number. You can call me at 203-333-9422. In other news stories today, a new proposal, and remember there'll be many before this legislature, Uh, A new proposal by Representative Christine Conley, who is going to come on our show next week from Groton, 
She has introduced legislation that she hopes will give members of the General Assembly more control over energy rates in the future, giving the Assembly the opportunity to vote specifically on electric or natural gas rate increases. That bill has already been opposed by one of the lawyers who represents the Connecticut's Office of Consumer Counsel, who says that she thinks that that will create a needless kind of a boondoggle, more bureaucracy, and ultimately not be helpful to the taxpayer. But there are many different legislatures, including State Senator Norman Needleman, who's also coming on our show soon. He is the chairman of the General Assembly's Energy and Technology Committee, and he's a Democrat from Deep River, a different part of the state. We're also going to have Jonathan Steinberg on. He is the chairman of the Energy Committee, which is a, a big thing. He used to be chairman of public health. Jonathan is going to come on for energy. And there are a lot of discussions coming on that are going to talk about how to govern the utilities. This is something very much front and center. State Senator Tony Wong wrote, writing in the Connecticut Post in his op-ed that he believes there needs to be a bipartisan resolution to make meaningful energy utility cost reforms. Um, but as we go into this, uh, some of the real things that you know, are a reality on the ground is that we did have a blackout over sorts, a rolling blackout here in Connecticut uh, around the Christmas week, the Arctic week, because we, um, among other things, didn't really have enough access to other electricity sources. Connecticut News Junkie reporting that our reliance on natural gas for electricity generation is expected to cost the region this winter, and there is a frustration over a lack of access to Canadian hydropower, which is something that New York State very much relies upon. So we're going to have to see how we're going to generate the power that we need. In a story, Nancy on Norwalk blog reporting that the, new, the uh, Northeastern Electric Grid operator declared a capacity deficiency on Christmas Eve, and um, there was an unanticipated electric capacity deficiency. And so uh, system operators operated what they called well-established procedures in order to make sure that people had that capacity on Christmas Eve. 203-333-9422. We'll go to one call, and then we'll go to a commercial. Who do we have, Andrew? Andrew? Hello? Hi. Hi. What is your first hi. name, sir? Ramon. Ramon. Hi, Ramon. Welcome yes. to the show today. Hi, hi Ramon. I listen to you all the time, Kiddo. Uh, Thank you. This this marijuana thing, okay, what a lot of people don't understand is that the THC level is like 10 times more potent than what I smoked back in the 70s, okay? It's really ridiculous. I mean, they the young man was talking about being, you know, addicted to it, and I could understand that, but... I drove a truck for over 44 years, and when drug testing started, I just stopped, mm. and I just couldn't deal with it. You know, I was mm -hmm. like, "All right, we're done." And but today, the way it's set up, it's scary. Do you think the legalization is going to mean that so many more people come impaired, stoned, leftover high to work? Does that worry you? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, it worries me too, Ramon. It worries me too. Because pe people don't realize it. You know, it's it's like having a you know a shot or a drink before you go to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's 
scary. It really is because, like I said, you know, the THC level is so much higher than what, you know, way back when. And uh, I know people that have the medical card and all that stuff, but now that it's basically like, you know, you can walk into a freaking store and get it, it's, it's scary. It really is. So do you think that we made a mistake in voting to legalize it? I do. You do. But it's all about the Benjamins, as they call it, the money. You the know, money. people are going to make money off it. And it, it is scary because, you know, when you spoke to that young man about the edibles and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's it worries me because, you know, p- people are going to buy these edibles and God forbid your child, you know, picks up the cookie or whatever. And, you know, it's just it's scary, kiddo. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Thank you, Ramon. Thanks for listening. All right. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Have a good day. You God bless. too. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stick around. Here's what Connecticut is saying about Lisa Wexler. You are a breath of fresh air. I can't wait to hear you again. Back to the Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600. To the show. You know, one of the big stories, we hadn't spoken about it much, but obviously if you're paying attention to national news, you know that Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was you know, taken off the field for cardiac arrest. And thankfully he's in stable condition. He's talking to people. Millions have been raised on his um, own foundation that he had started uh, before he was so well known to the country and everybody's praying for his complete recovery. Who knows if he'll be able to play football one day or even want to. But I will tell you that uh, it has given attention to these things called AEDs, automatic external defibrillators which um, are responsible, is probably largely responsible for helping to save his life because it was right out on the field and helped to get his heart started again. And just so you know, Connecticut News Junkie Christine Stewart reporting that Connecticut has been ahead of the curve in requiring these AEDs on the field. It has been over a year since health clubs and gyms in the state have been required to have them. They have to pay for them themselves. They cost one to $2,000. And they're supposed to have at least one person on staff trained how to use them because what good is the machine unless somebody knows how to use it? But um, the according to Senator Saud Anwar, who's a doctor, he says the AED gets the heart back into rhythm. It gives the person a better chance of survival. And the devices have already been mandated in schools and at sporting events since at least 2012. So for the last 12 years, if somebody had had that kind of an experience on the field, and this is very good for you to know as a parent or grandparent, that that AED needs to be within reach when your kid is playing on the field by law. By law, it's supposed to be there. If for any reason it's not there, you should make a big noise about it. You should carry on. You should make sure the coach has it there because we saw what happened with this young man, and had it not been for the immediate attention he got, for sure he would not have survived that event, for sure. According to Senator Anwar, CPR buys you some time, but the AED is really much, much better. It restarts the heart in a much more significant way. And obviously, for every second the heart isn't beating, you're losing oxygen, and you could be losing brain function, et cetera. So very grateful for this young man's recovery, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin. But I just wanted you to know and to be paying attention 
when you're on the sidelines. You got a lot of time there. A lot of it is wasted time. You're just sitting there kibitzing. Make sure they have the emergency equipment they're supposed to have. Walk around the field. Look for it. Look for it. Make sure it's there. Should be. And somebody needs to know how to use it. I'm Lisa Wexler. Stay tuned for the remainder of the day with our own Paul Paselli up from 2 to 6 on Connecticut Today. No doubt he has a lot of important things for you to hear. We've got Dave Ramsey up for two hours talking about finance. I'm Lisa Wexler. Our podcast will be available this afternoon, so stay tuned for that. And more announcements to come from the Lisa Wexler Show. Podcasts are available anywhere you listen, and we do encourage you to listen and share. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 